You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome, welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. This is the program where you will meet the doers, the leaders, the people who are making a difference for animals in your neighborhoods, counties, states, and around the world. We will learn how these amazing people become involved in doing what they do, why they spend time, money, and long hours each day fighting to save the lives of and or improving the living conditions of companion or domestic or wild animals and more. Today's guest is Reverend Daniel E.W. Ivins, retired pastor from the First Baptist Church to be established in America. The church was established in 1638 by Roger Williams, the founder of Rhode Island Colony. A native of Tennessee, Dan just recently served as the interim pastor at the Community Church of Teleco Village. He resides in the Knoxville area with his wife Libby and their Maltese, Lily Beth. He is a man with a sense of humor and some say an unconventional guy. When he was preaching in Rhode Island, he was known as a sign guy. He posted signs that drew comment and conversation. They included such gems as, Earth without art is eh. We reserve the right to accept anybody. And my personal favorite of Dan's is, Church parking violators will be baptized. As you can see, he's a man with a sense of humor. I asked Br'er Dan to be a guest on Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates because a couple of weeks ago I was sitting in church listening to a sermon when he said, Animal abuse bothers me as I grow older. As he spoke these words, it struck me that we had not had a clergyman or clergywoman as a guest on Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I thought it was about time to get a cleric's perspective on animal advocacy. We will meet Dan and learn why animal abuse bothers him if he thinks there is a connection between abuse of animals and abuse of people and more. However, a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, Jill. I see you and Bella are enjoying this lovely day as well. It's a perfect day for a walk. Isn't that right, Bella? And what a colorful ID tag you have, Bella. It certainly puts my Rusty's boring engraved tag to shame. Isn't it great? It's a dog tag art tag. Dog tag art? Yeah. Dog tag art makes the world's coolest pet ID tags. Pick from hundreds of cute designs or upload your photos or artwork to create a unique tag of your own. They even give you four lines of text on the back of the tag for important contact information. I love it. But do they hold up? We have to replace Rusty's metal tags so often because the information wears away. Dog tag art tags are some of the highest quality pet tags out there. They're made with super durable stainless steel. Your information is always legible and the tags are guaranteed for life. Well, I'm sold. Where can I get my dog tag art tag for Rusty? Dogtagart.com. Shopping there is so easy and fun. You're sure to find one that matches Rusty's personality perfectly. Sounds great. We can't wait to get online and get a tag of our own. Dogtagart.com. We keep best friends together. Use the coupon code RADIO for a 25% discount off any tag. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest is Reverend Daniel E.W. Ivins, or Br'er Dan, as he prefers to be called. Welcome, Br'er Dan. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thanks, Keith. I'm glad for the opportunity. Well, you know, as I said, after I uh, heard what you said about animal abuse in, in church, the obvious really struck me. Why not get a cleric? And why do you think animal abuse bothers you more as you grow older? As you get some mileage on you, as I have, you you see all of life differently, I think. I, I find myself living more gently and caring more about all God's creatures and not just people. That's my calling, but uh, my caring has expanded. Like now that I'm retired, I spend a lot of time watching bluebirds and hummers and feeding them, and it's fascinating what they can do. In my 70s, I feel a genuine connection with nature, and and I guess I've been too busy to notice being a pastor takes a lot of time, but I think sensitivity comes with aging, and dealing with so many people for 50 years, uh, a lot of them in pain, some self-caused, some not, but it does things to you, especially when we don't understand so much of it. And so I try to be understanding even when I don't understand, and even more so with pets and animals. They don't understand when things happen to them either. So you feel for their hurt. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm relatively new to uh, Tennessee, and this is my first spring, and I'm just astounded by the numbers of birds and bird songs. In fact, I had to move uh, recording today because you could hear the birds. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a good sound. (laughs) And uh, I just look at them as uh, gifts. I mean, every one is a little jewel, and every animal is a little jewel. Precious. And, you know, a question I want to ask you is, um, as a clergyman, do you see a connection between those who might abuse animals and those who abuse people? Yes, I do. And and I, I found that studies back that up, that people who are mean to animals will be mean to people. And I cited, I don't know if you were there the Sunday, I, I cited uh, the movie Tombstone starring Kurt Russell. Yes, I was. He pulled into a tombstone, got off a train, and there was this man just abusing his horse, beating him with a whip. And the wide herb goes up to him and cold cocks him. <laughs> He's laying in the dirt, and his line was, hurts, don't it? <laughs> and I said, yay, way to go, uh, herp. But people resort to violence because it feels good. Uh, we utilize many ways to feel good. Uh, a lot of it. It hurts us getting high or climbing over others or putting people down. Bad ways to feel good. But church gives us positive ways to feel good. It's helping somebody needs it, having a clear conscience and things like that. And you've heard the old phrase just, well, kick the dog then. And, you know, somebody taking their anger out on innocent animal when they're mad at the wife. <laughs> but right. either way, violent behavior shouldn't be tolerated against any of God's creatures, humans or pets or animals. Sure, I guess, you know, if I have a bad day at the office and come home and kick the dog, I'm just as apt to slap one of the kids or my spouse. Right. There's a clear connection between that. Uh, Studies have shown that. Yeah, and I think it's probably a good reason when people ask us is a reason to be concerned about animal abuse. Right. It's very important. And that's why I ask... Human abuse. Right, exactly. And that's why I ask each of my guests this question. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is with all the human misery and suffering in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and other resources advocating for animals? 
Or how can you justify people spending time, money, and other resources advocating for animals? I think it's justified. There has to be a balance, but both need caring for. And the difference is animals just don't understand. You can't talk to them and get them to understand why they suffer. People do most of the time, and much of it's self-caused, but most animals won't do anything to hurt themselves intentionally. And maybe under extreme circumstance, like that wolf caught in a trap, you know, biting off his leg. But it's theological. I think theologically we should care for all of God's creation. And, of course, in in, uh, Genesis, the humans, the crown of creation, was given dominance over it, but that doesn't mean to dominate it. And so I think it means you care for all creation, kill the soil, name the animals, you know. When you take it to extreme, a lot of single-issue causes have to watch out for doing more harm than good for their cause. Like uh, ISIS whacks off people's heads because they want us to be Islamic. Well, that's not very inviting to me. And so I love animals, but I'm no vegan. I still eat hamburgers and hot dogs. And I can remember when I quit hunting, though. I think that stands out. Even fishing. I don't fish anymore. At the time, I I was living in Maryland, and we'd often go goose hunting in the winter, sit in these blinds and freeze to death over on the eastern shore. And we didn't have much luck because the the geese were smart. They'd fly just above shotgun range. And I remember once I winged one, and the poor thing fell in front of us about 20 yards out, and it couldn't fly. It was running around. And my buddy said, hey, you have to go out and end his suffering. (laughs) I thought, oh, what? And so I did, and I went out, and I got close. I could see the hurt in its eye, and I pulled the trigger to end its misery. It, It was violent mercy, I guess, but... That did something to me, and I never went hunting again. And that was in the mid-'80s. And I just lost interest in killing something. Be quiet, Lily Beth. (laughs) But I realized in this kind of world it has to be done. This is where sacrificing animals for humanity to live by comes to play. Now, I don't want to do the killing, but common sense tells us it has to be done. And maybe there'll come a time when we don't have to kill something to exist. I do like ordering a vegetable plate at Cracker Barrel, though. So I guess that's progress. I understand that. I I grew up in a neighborhood in an area where hunting was part of growing up. And what made me stop was when I realized geese mate for life. And I thought, wow, what a cruel... Because you'd see maybe if one went down, you'd see the the mate come back after it. And that just stopped I learned that too. It's so touching. They got me thinking there's a lot of other things. So I picked up a camera and just enjoy going out. But, you know... A broader question, should Christians care about animal welfare? Of course. It just pains me to see one hurt, and especially somebody treating one bad. I think that's kind of fits with what I said before about hunting or that kind of thing. I believe we should care about them, and I certainly do. And I applaud your group for what you're doing. I think we need advocacy groups to sensitize us to what takes place for the little beings of God's creation. They can't speak for themselves, and I admire what you're doing. Well, thank you, thank you, because it, you know, it ultimately comes. I believe it comes back to making a world a better place for us. And yeah. animal advocates are helping animals, but those hummingbirds that uh, we enjoy this time of year, they came back across the Gulf of Mexico, and they have a home to come to because somebody is concerned about them and is helping improve their habitat. Right. Nothing better, in my opinion. Now, it's not uncommon for many pet owners, most of us, to grieve over the loss of our pets. 
as we would almost grieve over the loss of members of our families. Do you think this amount of grief is warranted? Man, you you raised a very hurtful issue. That some of the hardest pain uh, we can experience, I can experience. I've been there. I've had pets all my life, and some I've had to put down, and I know what it feels like to do that. I, we had a toy poodle who was 18 years old, and she just kind of wore out, you know, and you could see her tapering off, and it got to where she obviously didn't enjoy being alive. And one day I was feeding her, and she just fell over in the floor. She couldn't even stand up and eat, and I, I knew it was time, and I held off as long as I could. It was the hardest thing I had to do to let my Libby do <laughs> Because I couldn't have done it. And in fact, I had to go out of town for a week just to get away from it. And I came back home, and this time there was no little man there to greet me at the door. And people think they graduated when they walk across the stage and get their diploma. No, you haven't graduated till your heart's been broken, and somehow you survive that. And it's a lonely pain because you're the only one that cares for it. Your neighbor knows the dog, but it doesn't care for it like you do. And so it's like losing your best friend. And when you do that, that is your diploma. The grief can be equally devastating as losing a human family member. Pets are like family to those who are lonely, and maybe even more so in some cases. I don't know that you ever get over it, but it helps to get another pet and love it, too. In time, I was able to do that, and I don't mean to replace the lost pet. That, that shouldn't happen. It's an unfair load to lay on the current pet. But uh, love it like you did the previous one, and, and it's good for the soul and good for the doggy, too. Well, I think you're right. And I had on a previous episode, Dr. Alice, who's a uh, cancer specialist for animals on. And, of course, she sees a lot of uh, hardship with her clients and their pets. She related to me that in consoling her clients that when they lose a pet is that to look at it as they were handed by God a, a gift and mm-hmm. they've taken care of this gift and it's now gone and to remember the good times and of course mourning is a part of loss but not you know there's negative mourning and positive mourning and to uh, you know remember the good things about this gift and move on and always have a place in your heart for the lost one well we had a kind of a memorial for ours and we had her cremated and still have her in an urn well i'm glad to hear you say that because sometimes i get the feeling that people think that the clergy has sort of a frowning thing on this, you know, to treat an animal and have grief over it like you would a human is somehow not warranted. But uh, Not me. <laughs> glad to hear that. We need to take a break. I hope everybody stays with us because when we return, Dan is was going to comment on what he believes about the euthanizing of up to 2.3 million animals, cats and dogs primarily, a year by animal shelters in the United States. So we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Tired of wasting money on giant boxes of litter that don't work and don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter with concentrated power. So even a small bag lasts one cat 30 days. Outstanding odor control, quick lumping, lightweight. It's even flushable. World's best cat litter. Everything else is just litter. Find it near you at www.itsnotjustlitter.com. That's www.itsnotjustlitter.com. 
Active for Pets is a new wellness platform and app that helps pet parents save time and money on their vet bills. Stop paying for unnecessary vet treatments. Consult with a vet online. Get unlimited access to your pet's entire health history from any computer or smartphone with the Active for Pets app. Vaccinations, medications, test results, and more. Active for Pets gives you access to a team of expert vets for non-emergency care. Make an appointment before, during, or after office hours. Skip the waiting room and get a secure online vet consult on your schedule. Taking care of your pets is as easy as it gets with Active for Pets. Ready to try Active for Pets? Listeners get 40% off a one-year membership. To get this great offer, use promo code PETLIFE on the sign-up page of active4pets.com. That's A-C-T-I-V, the number 4, P-E-T-S dot com. Or call 888-512-2848. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest is Reverend Dan Ivins, Baptist preacher, humorist, and animal lover. Rare Dan, the Humane Society of the United States estimates 2.3 million cats and dogs are euthanized annually. That is 1.3 per second. The bodies of these animals are unceremoniously dumped into solid landfills. Do you think Christians should question the morality of such waste and carnage? Well, that's a hard one. But I feel the same way about animals as I do about people. I think there's something more important than death, or worse than death, and that is a lack of quality life, whether people or pets. And there comes a time in this kind of world when it's easier to die in some cases than to go on living in misery. When I was in Rhode Island in the winter, it was very cold, and uh, me and a lady in our church who would fit in well with your group, uh, we'd go out and feed feral cats. And immediately after worship on Sunday, we'd take water in the winter and we had to boil it because we had to put it out hot so it wouldn't freeze before they could drink it. And in Tennessee, even this February, just a few weeks ago, we had such a cold spell down below zero that somebody, my neighbor, told me about five little bluebirds in the bluebird house huddled together to keep warm and all of them froze to death. That just hurt me to hear that, so I'm going to put out a roosting house this winter and maybe an electric blanket or something inside, a heating pad, just something to help the little things. Now, if uh, your present life is unbearable, it seems to me it's better not to live than to live badly. But dumb decisions by people are at the root of some of the need to euthanize. Uh, like somebody I'm reading in Arizona had a uh, hundred cats in one house or, or that many dogs or they have puppy mills that having pups to make money, and, and it's too many to care for. And there's a biblical story of Jesus cleansing the temple, you know, and, and mm-hmm. Holy Week, and turned over the money changers and uh, letting loose all those doves, you know, being sold for cheap sacrifices. And I was glad to see the doves fly away. It's <laughs> one of the few times Jesus resorted to violence. And people can have the equivalent of puppy mills. They call it baby mamas or something. Have 20 kids by 10 different females and leave it to them to take care of them or the government. And so I noticed, too, a segment of this society have been calling each other dog. Have you noticed that? I don't know where it comes from. They say dog. You know, maybe it's cool. 
but it comes across as as degrading using a good word to to be degrading but it i guess it's the meaning and the tone you attach to it i call my maltese whose name is lilybeth i call her little old dog sometimes you know little old dog but it's a nickname and it's not derogatory it's complimentary and i think the translation of little old dog to me is what a precious being she is little old dog and here you can love this one pet, and then you have these millions being, being euthanized, and it, it's, a, it's a hard thought to think of. And I, I don't know how you can stop it Well, to expose it. Well, exposing it is, and the, the other thing is, uh, particularly down here in the South, North Carolina, Tennessee, uh, the states, there's so many uh, dogs that run loose and they're not spayed and neutered. And uh, uh, a lot of the animal shelters, sometimes there'll be boxes of unwanted puppies at the shelter on Monday morning. Oh, man, yeah. Just leave them there? And just leave them there. And, uh, That's better than leaving them on the interstate. I've, I've heard of that, too. Right, right. But it just, you know, it goes back to the responsibility, I think, of the pet owner. Maybe they wouldn't have to leave them at the shelter if they uh, get the animal spayed or neutered. And we wouldn't have that problem with so many unwanted dogs. It wouldn't solve it all. But well, it costs to have a pet. You have to take care of it. And vets have to be paid. And I know that some of them will euthanize for like $25 or less. Uh, that's good. Vets, I bless their heart for doing that. But you have medicine and trips to the vet. Haircut, fire dog has to have a haircut every six weeks. Right. So you got to be willing to, you know, take care of them, whatever it takes to to do that. Yeah, I have heard my dog's breed. She her teeth come out, so we had to have her teeth cleaned just a year ago. And they pulled eight teeth, and they said they were rotten, they were falling out, but they had to put her to sleep. Nah, I don't like that. I don't like putting somebody to sleep. Just to clean teeth, but uh, it's coming up again, and and I dread it. I don't I don't like putting a dog to sleep for that, but I have to take care of it. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the thing is, is if one gets a pet, one ought to take the responsibility to care for it. Yeah, but these that care for others that aren't even their pets. I mean, that well, they get a salute. Yeah, they certainly do. They certainly do. I mean, I have a acquaintance. I haven't met him yet. He's a friend of my cousin's. That's how I've been introduced to him via email. He must have four or five or six foster dogs in his house at any one time, just trying to make more room at the um, animal shelter so not as many dogs are put down. Well, and I didn't I, tell you about my daughter, Wendy, who lives in Alabama. She does the same thing. She's got four or five dogs in her house. And she tries to find homes for dogs that would be euthanized and cats. And she's got a rabbit, you know, and, and some people just, you know, uh, sacrifice for these, these animals that otherwise would be sacrificed. Yeah, that's interesting. And that, that's great the job Wendy is doing. I want to ask you another question. I believe Teleco Village Community Church uh, has an annual Blessing of the Animals. And I know yep. the, the church I belong to up in Illinois did. And I was wondering, can you share the significance of the service and what's it signify? Yeah, uh, first of all, for that, uh, in Providence, I'd take my Lilybeth to church. She'd go with me when Libby had to work, and I didn't want to leave her too long alone, so I'd take her in. And finally, it became such an attraction 
that uh, she became what they call the church dog. And, and uh, the workers would come in to do repair work, and she'd nip at their heels and that little squeaky bark. And this one guy says, this church has gone to the dogs. <laughs> and I said, no, this church, the dogs go to church. <laughs> but uh, dogs around the church make it a lot more human, and they loved her in Providence. And this one, yeah, in June, last June, we did a blessing of the animal service. Uh, it was outdoors, of course. And people brought their pets, and we had uh, a worship out in the park. And I can do it in good faith. Uh, there were some raised eyebrows, but animals have a noble calling, whether it's as a source of food or as an innocent sacrifice or a working animal or just a loving companion. I, I often tell the story. I preach a lot about animals because people can relate to it. And the Bible's full of stories. And one of my best ones is about King David being confronted by Nathan the prophet about this little ewe lamb that this rich man stole from a poor man and, and sacrificed it for supper instead of killing one of his own sheep. And he took the poor man's only little ewe lamb and, and uh, ate it for supper. And David lit up with anger against this rich man, and he said to the prophet, As surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this deserves to die. David could lay him low, you know. And he said, he must repay fourfold for that lamb because he had no pity. And, of course, the story, Nathan was equating what the rich man did with what David himself did with Bathsheba and Uriah. And, uh, <laughs> but animals play an important role. Have you ever thought about how often the Bible is just full of references to animals? The serpent in Genesis and Exodus, there was a snake on the cross, a sign of healing where the medical profession gets its symbol. And uh, also it was a forerunner to Jesus on the cross. And there were lions and bears, you know, sounds like pro football. Yeah, the bears defend the prophet for being disrespected because unruly kids called him bald-headed. A lot of people don't know about that one. but No, Jesus that's the first time I heard that one. You haven't heard that? They can go up baldy, go up baldy, and here come these bears out of the woods and eat them. <laughs> but it's there. And uh, the birds of the air, when Jesus talked about, and I love the way the book of Jonah ends, just Nineveh, that great city being spared because they repented. And then the last line is, and much cattle. I thought it's a great way to end the book, and much cattle. They were saved, too. And so they have eagle's wings and sheep and the goats. And I don't know if you were here Palm Sunday at the church. I preached on the – I made a hero out of the Palm Sunday donkey. Right. <laughs> <Because you didn't. laughs> he, he took Jesus into Jerusalem. I said, that's what the church is supposed to do, take Jesus to people. And that's what that donkey did and started with uh, the Lord has need of it. And here he is on Holy Week needing a donkey. But it did its job. It took him, his rider, in Jerusalem. And so I made uh, a donkey the star of Palm Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was good. Hey, you have a poem you wrote about doggies. Uh, would you like to share it with our audience? Yeah, it's just a statement, really, more than a poem. But I used it at that worship service last June. Uh -huh. And it meant so much to people that they wanted copies of it. So I send it out when uh, I'm asked. But... It's from my experience, and I came across it somewhere. I don't even know where it was. I get stuff. But it jived with what I felt in my relationship to my pets. And it goes like this. Dogs come into our lives to each of us and to teach us about love. They depart to teach us about loss. A new dog never replaces an old dog. It merely expands the heart. If you have loved many dogs, your heart is very big. Isn't that great? That is super. That really is great. You see why people ask for it. 
Sure. I, uh, anyone who's had a dog, I'm sure, would want a copy. And well, you've got it on the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's super. And uh, we've run out of time, but before we go, would you like to read the prayer you used at Animal Blessings? Yeah, uh, a very brief prayer at the, at the benediction, and my prayer went like this. I said, with all the doggies' heads bowed, and they brought their dog, like communion, they came up and we laid hands on them, you know, uh-huh. and blessed them. We blessed each dog one by one. And I prayed, may the God who made ducks, aardvarks, and dogs, who heals the sick, cares for the poor, and raises the dead, Bless both our pets and ourselves in this moment of celebration of these very special creatures. Amen. Ah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> the ducks are barks and dogs. I know. <laughs> and some cats. Did. I didn't mean to leave the cats out. The dogs are glad you did. But, uh, Briardan, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us and to provide us a point of view that is frequently overlooked when making the case for advocating for animals. Well, thank and, you, Keith, and God bless your organization. Well, thank you. And Max A. Pooch also thanks you and gives you five big tail-wagging wolves for sharing <laughs> with us your poem. <laughs> Great. Five wolves. Five. Uh, I mean, that's, that's better. That's, that's top in his book. And I want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio, and the sponsors who make this program possible. Please join us for each and every episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, and be sure to tell your friends about us. Remember, until we meet again, when you do a good thing for animals, you help make the world a better place for both humans and animals. Amen. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.